want you to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Well, we must have motored along this morning because we're earlier than we normally are. And uh, I know you're probably all thinking, oh, he's getting up earlier. We'll probably get done earlier. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and I know some of you just uh, absolutely, that just depressed you. You thought, oh, man, now I've lost my opportunity. But Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, I want you to look at it. It says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say not thou, why is the cause that, uh, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense, but the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Spirit of God, I ask you to guide my mind, my thoughts. Lord, I, uh, I need, as always, your power, your presence. I also need your strength. I need you to give clarity of mind, strength of body. Most of all, Lord, I just yield myself to thee. And ask you to fill me with your presence that I might not say anything that shouldn't be said. That I'd be a help and a blessing and an encouragement to someone this morning. Father, we need your presence. We need your protection. We need you to wrap your arms around us and just be that mighty hedge of protection. And Lord, every time I pray that, I visualize your arms encircling us. And realizing how protected we are in the arms of God. How protected we are under the wings of God. Father, I pray that you would do that for us here and those that couldn't be here today. And then, Father, I ask you, please, in the name of Jesus, that you turn back every evil that would try to snatch away the truth today. Let us walk away changed, inspired, and, and with hope and direction, please. Ask all things in Jesus' name. Amen. To me, it's a, <clears throat> Ecclesiastes, a, a, of course, a little bit like Proverbs. Sometimes you feel like, you know, the verses are separate. You know, they got, but, but so often, as in this passage, they're all connected. They, uh, they have, a, they, actually, it's, it's just an outline for us to, to live by. But <clears throat> this first Sunday of the year, I think it'd be beneficial to recognize that the that the the very beginning is the best time to start making the end better. You know, the end will be better. God says better is the end of the thing than the beginning thereof, but he very clearly gives us some instructions in that also. You know, and I'm going to deal with that in just a moment. You know, better is the end of the thing if. It's going to be several ifs there. But one of the things that I think we do, we go to Romans 8.28. I think that's the starting place. Romans 8.28 says, We know all things 
work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So one of the things we need to do is start off the year loving God. Amen. Amen. Because God says that, that it'll be better for us if we do that and that he, he can work everything together for good. But he's going to do that. Now, we always say that, but the truth is he puts, puts qualifiers on there. He says to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He said, you know, if you're, if you're loving me and you're desiring to do my will, he said, I'm going to work this whole thing out. It's going to be okay. No matter what comes in your path, God can work it out. Amen. And so, you know, I, I, as I said so many times uh, leading up to this year, you know, you kind of look at the new year and say, wow, you know, maybe this year will be that year where everything goes smooth. And I was thinking, maybe 2019 will be that year. I've been looking for that year for a while now where everything's going to go smooth. And New Year's Day at 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm sitting in my pajamas, going to do nothing the entire day, and I get a phone call that, that my mother-in-law has fallen. And I, and I asked, I said, did she say she couldn't get up? And uh, <laughs> no. But, you know, of course, from that point on, you know, the rest of the day, we're in emergency until about, I don't know, 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And then finally they got to move to a room. And it's just, uh, uh, you know, that's the beginning of our year. But the very first step toward making this year end better than it began is to spend our life understanding and yielding to Romans 8.28. Now, we will destroy our year in the year's end when we fight and rebel and blame our circumstances. It's all, God says, it's all in where your focus is and what your attitude is and what's going on. He said, if you will love me and you'll get focused on me and what I want for your life, he said, I can make this all work for the better. I can make it all work out. And truthfully, at the end of the year, you can say, even though we've been through some things, God took care of us. Now, if we are going to make our year end better than it started, understand, uh, and watch this now. When I say, uh, you, you almost immediately think, well, that's because the year started off bad. Surely it's going to get better. No, understand that even if your year uh, has already started off and you think, man, it's just been great. Every day's been great. Been feeling great. Things have been going great. Uh, you know, man, I didn't uh, uh, get in, in debt over Christmas and, and, and I'm, I don't have a lot of bills hanging on me and I don't have this and everything's good. I'm telling you that God says even if it started out great, it can still be better at the end. Now, in order to do that, we must take serious, consider, serious consideration to the last verse we read. And that says, in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 13, it says, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Did you know that, that God allows things to come in our lives? You know, we have to allow God to be God. Amen? Let him be God. We, we so often kind of predetermine how we think things ought to be, and, and we get frustrated if they don't do the way we think they ought to do. But God, he, the, the, the Bible says that he sometimes makes our way crooked. You know, we sometimes think that God's plan is always the shortest distance between two points. It's just a straight line. That's it. God just says, okay, I want you to get to that door, and, and man, I'm going to give you a straight line to it because I'm in control. Everything's going to go good. I'm going to shelter you. Everything's going to go great. But you know, the truth is, that's not always God's plan. 
I mean, he, it may be that, that he wants me out that door, but he may take me all the way around the world to get there. You say, well, God wouldn't do that. No, God does whatever he wants to do, but for, watch this, for our good and for his good. And when it says that he worketh together for good, we have to realize ultimately that's his good. That doesn't mean we'll always see it as good. It's his good. And so he, he may take me down a ways, a, a whole different direction. I think, surely this can't be right. And that's what happens. We think, this can't be right. I can't be, God wouldn't be doing this. No, no, truth is, we just got to relax and let him be God. What do we have to do? Love him. Be walking in his will. He's ordered our steps, but we so often, we predetermine where those steps should be, but God has ordered our steps and directed our steps. We just got to be willing to walk in whatever steps he's ordered and directed. You know what? That means you got to turn in this driveway when he directs you. Amen? Now, for the truth is, what is best for us? What is his cause? What is his will? That sometimes doesn't register in our brain the way we think it should be. When we live our lives looking at the past, though, and saying that it is unfair and wrong, it does no good for the past cannot be changed. And you hear me say this all the time, and the reason I say it all the time is because repetition is the key to learning, and one of the things, the great tools that Satan uses against us is he always throws our past in our face. Man, he just keeps blasting us with our past. Well, that's why God said, for us to confess it, because once we confess it, he says he forgives it, he cleanses us. Watch this. If he cleansed me, then it's not there anymore. Okay, so if the devil keeps bringing it up to my mind, then there's a problem here. I got to tell him, leave me alone. That's why we have authority in the name of Jesus to tell him, you have no authority here because you're trying to make me feel guilty of things that God has already cleansed. When we look at the present and live in anger because of our circumstances, we fail to understand the first verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. It says, better is the end of the thing than the beginning of it, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. God is saying that there are circumstances out of our control, and we cannot make, cannot make straight that which is made crooked. And God says, sometimes we've got to, we, look, not sometimes, we've got to stop battling him in our frustration and our aggravation saying I, this I don't like where I am and I'm gonna force it to change you can't force God but there is something we can control and that's in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8 it says better is the end of the thing than the beginning thereof the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit we can control our spirit and the end will be there. I told you there's some ifs. If, verse 9, we're not hasty in spirit to be angry. For anger rested in the bosom of fools. You know, what happens is, is that God makes our path crooked. And when God makes our path crooked, we get angry against that. We fight against that. We want to go where we believe is the best path. And we fight against that. We, we, we get angry about that. And God said, you're being foolish right now. That's a fool. 
you know, I have to illustrate it. We, we came here, as I said, you know, that we showed up here three years ago uh, this same Sunday, but, you know, of the first Sunday of the year. But uh, uh, honestly, when I came here, uh, I had convinced myself for 30-something years, there's no way that God wants me to pastor. And, 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 and the truth is, I would say after, honestly, I wouldn't tell you guys, but after the first service I was here, I, I felt so, I felt like I was where I was supposed to be, and, I, and, and it scared me. And I even told you, Beth, and I said, I'm afraid God might have brought us here to leave us here, and that scares me to death. Because I was in a ministry where I would go and preach at a church and, and be there for two or three days, and then I could get out of Dodge. You understand? I mean, I didn't have to handle any of the problems. I just, you know, I just stir it up and go. And, man, it just scared me to death. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And no comments from you. The, uh, you say after three years, we figured that out too. But God says, don't get angry but when I've redirected you. Don't get upset. Don't, don't fight against me because that's what anger is. It's a, it's a fighting against the will of God. If we're angry, rest in the bosom full. We can have the, better, the end to be better than the beginning if Ecclesiastes 7.10. Look at it. It says, say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these. Man, this is so important. Uh, God says, you know, we so often, he's challenging us, we so often look back and say, oh, I wish things had been like this. And oh, I, I, I wish we weren't where we are. And I wish things didn't, weren't happening. I wish, I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back. You know, when we when we turn, I, I tell young missionaries this. I told my daughter this 10, 12 years ago. I said, listen, uh, your struggle to be here will, will end the day you quit hoping, praying, thinking you can go back. When you accept that God puts you there, you'll start to be at peace. But when you live every day saying, I want to go back, Somehow God will send me back. Somehow God will take us back. When you live that way, just like some of you are sitting here thinking, some way I'll get to another church. <laughs> Nobody's really doing that, are you? <laughs> Come on now, you're supposed to. The, uh, no, the, the fact is, is that it's that constant battling where we just won't accept what. We've, where God has brought us and where we are. And you say, well, God didn't, I, you know, here's what we, God didn't do it. I, it's a bunch of bad decisions on my part. Well, guess what? You still can't go change the crooked past. You can't do it. So quit, quit going back and saying, I wish I had. I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. I wish I could change this. I wish I could change that. What you're doing is you're always looking at the past. Some are saying, oh, the past, man, things were good. It was so much better. That's why a lot of college students, uh, married students, especially when we first went to college, they would quit and go home because they would come here, and as soon as they, they got to college, they would start saying, oh, we made the wrong decisions. Man, I had a good job back at home, and I had good pay back at home, and we didn't struggle like this back at home, and my, 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 my engine of my car didn't blow up back at home, and, and all these and I I think, come on now, shut up. God's still in control. Just come on and live today, and God will take care of you if you'll focus on him. 
Had a boy one time tell me he was on his way to college. He got surrendered to preach under my, uh, under my preaching at a camp. And he was coming to Bible college. And of course, it must have been my preaching because I'm not sure he ever made it. But the... Uh, but, uh, but the fact is, he, he called me, and he was from Louisiana, and he was someplace in Mississippi, and, and the, the truck that he had bought to come to college, he, he, his engine blew up on the way up or transmission or something. He called me, and he's saying, what do I do? I'm like, man, I don't know. And so, uh, but, but I'm talking to him, and he said, maybe God just doesn't want me there. I said, son, you don't think that engine would have blown up in Louisiana? If you'd stayed home, you don't think it'd blown up? Some, somehow it would have been okay there? I said, no, the problem it, it was not the fact that you're coming to college. The problem is you brought junk in the first place. <laughs> don't blame God for that. Now, if we understand and believe and accept, verse 11, wisdom is good with an inheritance. But there's profit to them that see the sun. I mean, if you're still alive, God says there's going to be profit for you. Verse 12, for wisdom is a defense and money is a defense, but the excellency of knowledge is. God says if you're really going to learn something, learn this. That wisdom giveth life to them that have it. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, I'm telling you how to have the end be better than the beginning. I've given you in the passage how to have the end be better than the beginning. Don't keep looking back. Don't live in anger because things are not happening the way you want them to happen. Don't, it, 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 folks, it, it just doesn't happen that way. That's, that's what life is. It's dealing with the difficulties of life. It's dealing with the issues of life. It's dealing with things when it doesn't go your way. Wake up and understand. We've got, we've got a whole generation thinks that somehow everything has got to do, be exactly the way they want it. No. That's not even good for you. Do you understand that God promised in Proverbs chapter 1 that, that when we receive correction, that he'll pour out his spirit to us? Now, watch this. Now, if you want to have the spirit of God poured out on you, then watch this. You've got to receive correction. But, but grasp this. You've got to first need correction. And if you need correction, that means you're not doing everything just exactly right. So if I need correction, I'm in a good place because now I have the opportunity to receive correction. And if I receive correction, God pours out his spirit on me. So number one, we can be patient with our present circumstances. We can turn from pride and humble ourselves to God and our authorities. And then look, when we drop our pride and say, God, is whatever you do, I'm just here to follow. Just direct me. Just show me. Just, Lord, I love you, and I want to love you more. Do you understand that? I really want to love him more. That ought to be our desire this year. Love him more. I was talking to the brother Hopper this morning. You know, so many people are so confused. You don't do what God says because you have to. You do what God says because you love him. And when you're in a love relationship, the doing is not a big deal. You know, I, I, I'm such an incredible husband. The, um, but I get up in the morning and I make Joe Beth a, uh, a specialty coffee. Now, I can't really drink coffee anymore because God told me not to about four years ago, and so I really don't drink 
coffee anymore because I'm spiritual and so godly. And so, <laughs> but, but my, I'm just joking, folks. The, um, but my wife loves specialty coffee. And so I've kind of, uh, I got her at uh, one of those, uh, I don't know what it's called. But anyway, what's it called? A ninja. Ninja coffee maker. I think I got it last Christmas. Ninja. Yeah. I, I, I got, I got it's Ninja Coffee Maker, and then I got that little frother thing, and I got all that kind of stuff, and, and I got the little, uh, you know, French, the little vanilla cream thing, you know, and all. And I put, I put it on in, and I froth it all. I even put the cream, the, the taste, you know, the specialty cream in the milk that I froth, so it kind of has that little froth, sweet taste. And so I, I do all of that, and I have no idea why I brought that up. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I was headed someplace where there. It was a really good illustration. What? I was a wonderful husband. I, that part I already knew. The, uh, I can't remember. Yes. Huh? Love! Yeah! <laughs> Love! Thank you. That's why I have my wife here for me. The, um, the, uh, but, you know, the fact is, is I don't do that because I have to. Well, maybe. The... Uh, no, I don't do that because I have to. I do that because I love her. And, and watch this. I love to see her response when I walk over and hand her that cup. I just, you know what? God responds that way. You know, if I can see the face of God, he has the same sparkle in his eyes that she does. I think sometimes when I just say, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. Just show me. And I, and, and I do what he wants. I think sometimes he just looks just like my wife does and goes, ooh, thank you. And she'll say sometimes it, it means so much that you're, you'll do this for me. You know, that's all God's looking for. We, we've got a generation that's got this all confused. like old, Anything that God might want you to do or to eliminate or to add, that it's all things you've, that this old religion has told you you've got to do. God didn't tell us to do anything, just to do it. Everything that he instructs us, it's for our good, for his good. So, number two, we, what we need to do, we need to control our anger toward and about our present situation. You know, I mean, God bless Anna, we call her at the hospital. She's amazing. Because, I mean, she could be there, and, 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 and I've been at hospitals enough over the last few years so that, that I see and I hear them. And there's some... Some people her age, they're laying in a hospital and they're in pain and they're just angry and bitter and screaming and hollering and cussing people. And every time you walk in and there, she smiles and says, she's doing great. Tells you, don't, don't worry about staying here. You go on home. I'm fine. You know what? I love that spirit because this is an adverse situation. And she says, why get angry about it? 
I sure hope she's listening to this. Because I need a lot of the points I can get. Through controlling our anger, we can find wisdom, and the Scripture says wisdom giveth life. For we will understand that it is foolish to always be looking back. Whether it is, it is to that which we feel was unfair or to that which we feel we thought was good and happy time, we can't go back to either one of them. We must live today. We must make today a better day. And do you understand that's the way the end becomes better? It's when each day we strive to make it a better day. We must look forward for that is the only direction available to us. You know that? It's the only direction we got. We can have a great future, for better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. If we heed God's warning and yield to his teachings, then the end's going to be better than the beginning. The stage of life will end, but will it end better? And, and that's kind of what the new year is. It's kind of a stage of life. And, and will that end better? The, and that's what God says, you can, it can, it can, folks. It can end better. You know, for several years, I, uh, I went to a boy's home, and, and I may end up going back there again, but for several years, uh, every year I went to this boy's home, and I would preach to them for, for several days, maybe a week. Sometimes I was there for a couple weeks. And each year when I'd returned, some of them, they had these rank and different things that they earned by their spirit, their attitude, their things. But each year I'd return and some of those boys were demoted. And each time when I would begin to talk to, even to them, you'd find out it was just, it was a pride. That's why God begins on this whole thing of pride. And it, it was pride, but it was also in every one of them, it was a blame game. It was somebody out to get them, somebody that mistreated them. Somehow somebody misunderstood them. They would blame leadership or the way, they hand, or the way the leadership handled a particular situation. But ultimately, here's what I try to tell them. God had made their way crooked for their own good. The discipline, the correction that had come into their life was not there to hurt them. It was there to help them. They would get angry quickly because they were already angry at life. Why? Because it had not turned out the way they felt it should have. They didn't grow up in a certain, certain home. They didn't have all the things that other people had. Or in some cases, they were very, very rich, but their parents didn't love them or didn't treat them right. It was always somebody to blame. So I'm going to tell you why many of them were, were really, truly angry. They couldn't accept the fact that if the past is crooked, that they cannot straighten it. They were always looking at the past and saying, if this had not happened and if this had been and they did this and they said that and people treated me this way, people treated me. No, you can't go back. What you can do is learn from that and decide that you change your attitude about the pr present and the future. 
They could not accept that not all turns out the way that we hope or plan or believe it should. Not all things will happen according to our sense of justice. That's where key is, folks. We just think that's unjust. It's, it's unjust. And so what makes one man, uh, here's my conclusion. What makes one man a success and another a failure? What makes one man a quitter and another who refuses to quit? What makes one overcome obstacles and another is devastated by the obstacle? It's not the obstacle. It's not the situation. It's not the circumstances. It's not the person's genetic makeup. It's not a person's abilities or capabilities. The greatest reason is one looks at the obstacle and fixates on the issue, the injustice. Uh, They start allowing anger, vengeance, retaliation bitterness and sometimes especially maybe all the times they come up with a victim complex the poor me attitude and it's always happens to me and that controls their whole thinking you know i'm gonna give you a a little illustration and and uh uh when i was uh growing up out here in the in the county out in shelby county and where we lived, we didn't get a, you know, we didn't even have a bathroom until I was probably six or seven years old. And even then, we hadn't used one in so long, we still didn't use it. But uh, <laughs> thankfully, it was four boys in the family. But, uh, you know, we didn't have much. You know, we, we washed, and I remember as a kid, you know, bathing in a number two wash tub. And, uh, and I'm really not that old, folks. But, you know, I, that's the way we live. And the truth is, I have to admit, I don't, you know, I'm sure we didn't bathe in that number two wash tub as often as we probably needed to because we were playing outside and in the dirt and in the hills and climbing trees and doing most everything every day of our life. So surely we needed one every day, but I'm sure they didn't fill up that number two wash tub every day. So I went to school and we went to school, we had hand-me-downs, and, and some of you might remember the patches on the pants, you know. I can remember when we upgraded from mom sewing them on to the Sears came out with iron-on patches. Whew. I could put my own patches on now. Patches, I'm dependent on your son. Oh, it, but I, you know, I had this, as a kid, it became implanted in my mind that we were kind of poor and looked down on. I felt insecure. I felt made fun of because I was made fun of as a little guy, especially when I first went, went to school. Made all the way to the seventh grade, and I think I still carried all those insecurities. And, and our little school out there, basketball, you know, if you've ever seen this, it's really, really old, but there used to be a, a basketball movie called Hoosiers, and, and you know, we were kind of Hoosiers, you know, I mean, it was all about basketball. That little first through eighth grade, it was all about basketball, you know. We had that little gym out there at Cordova, and the thing was packed in. It was so huge back then. You go there now, and, it, you know, it's packed in with 27 people, but, but it was, you know, just, it was incredible. But I came to the seventh grade, and and uh, of course, I went on, just went to the eighth grade, and and uh, that's where you're going to go into the A team of basketball. And and I came for time for the first practice, and I just sat at my desk waiting on the bus. I wasn't going to play. 
I wasn't going to be, I just was giving up. You know, I can still remember one kid in, the, in science class who raised his hand and he said, Mrs. Soles, I forget who she was, and, and said, uh, you told us that, that when a person dies that they're, you know, or, or the one thing that never stops growing on a person is, is their nose and I think their ears or something. And he pointed at me and he said, man, what about Robert? Because of that. He said, and his his words, he says his nose is already like turkey. Now, you know, I understand, you know, the, all that, uh, the, the stuff that goes on, you know, today, and, you know, it's much, much worse than that. But I just, I just felt like I don't even want to go out there. I had a man that was an incredible man that cared about the kids, and he was a coach of the basketball team. His name was Mr. Jones, Charlie Jones, and he walked over, and he uh, walked over to my desk, and he stood in front of me as he was getting ready to go out to basketball practice, and he looked at me, and he said, you're not going going out? And I said, no, sir. He said, um, he said, I'm disappointed in you. You have great potential. I got so angry because I thought now even the coach is criticizing me because I didn't know what the word potential meant. <laughs> I went home that day. I didn't go to practice. I went home that day and, and uh, I went to my mom and I said, Mr. Jones said I had potential. And she looked at me and she said, son, that's good. I said, it is? <laughs> and she explained to me what potential meant. The next day, I went back to school. And you have to understand, you know, I've lived my whole life there with, there were kids every day would go to the bookstore first thing in the morning and buy something, a new notepad, a new pen. A, you know, those, you know, anybody remember the little blocks of clay that looked like almost a stick of butter or something, you know? They'd go buy this. I never could do that. The only clay I ever took to school is I went and dug it out of a clay bank at our, in the back of our property, put it in a little plastic bag and took it in, and, you know, and so I could have clay like the rest of them. But I went the next day, and, and because of that man, I went and I tried out for the basketball team. The next year as an eighth grader, I became the starting point guard for our little team. We were 19 and 1, went to the county championship. As they stood at the awards bank, the coach walked up to my dad and he said, Bobby, your son was, was the quarterback of this team. He's the one that made it happen for us. I learned such an incredible truth that day, that year. That I could either let the, the past defeat me or the end could be so much better than the beginning. Same thing happened when I went to high school, went to Germantown High School, just an old farm boy. The guy bust into Germantown High School with 1,200 rich kids. Back then, the richest city per capita in the state of Tennessee. 
Every day they, we had to fight. Us country boys had to fight. Now the fortunate thing is, is that country boys learn to fight. City boys don't. So we whooped a snot out of a bunch of them, but Four years later, I was playing five sports and was all district, all state, and all five of those sports and selected as Mr. Germantown. You say, you tooting your own horn, right? No, Mr. Jones cared about me and saw that there was something in me and he taught me to look ahead, become better. Quit looking at the past. That doesn't limit me. I got a future that's going to end better. And I've applied that same thing to God. And he said, it could be better. How? How, Lord? He said, I gave you the plan. Keep your right attitude. Focus on me. Love me. Seek my will. And you know what happens? There's all kinds of paths to where I'm going. But, you know, this one started out in the hospital this year. But if I keep focused on God, I don't know how many more times we're going to be at the hospital this year. I don't know what else is in front of us. But I got a feeling if I just keep walking in his steps, loving him, I'll get where he wants me to. May I say this and I close the, the truth is, Learning this as a grade schooler and trying to apply it in high school and then again at a college, it's just a whole other story. And then going off to Bible college, which is a whole other story. But learning this truth and always deciding, Lord, somehow through all the adversity, all the obstacles, all the conflicts, somehow if I keep my spirit right and I keep loving you and I keep seeking your steps, that's what brought us here three years ago. And it was going through obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And because we kept trying to focus on the Lord, He's made the end so much better than the beginning. That's what He'll do for you, too. Not all is the way we want it to be, but all can turn out better for good if we'll yield to and accept God's plan for our lives. When it seems that it's not getting better is the very time we must remain consistent and persistent to continue on knowing that it will get better. 
My wife says this all the time, and it's such a truth. Everything in our life is, is a file to scrape off the rough edges of our lives. Trials are to make us better, but often we, when we focus on the trial, the hurt, the pain, the perceived injustice, through the trial we become bitter. But maybe God brought you to this point of your life to bring you here to get saved. You know, a lot of people end up in church because of heartache and hurt. Because of injustice. Because of abuse. But if that's what it took to get you in and you trust Christ, wouldn't you eternally be glad? If you trust Christ as your Savior, there is a guarantee. Listen to this now. The end will be better than the beginning. For now the end actually becomes the beginning. So I'm just looking for us individually and corporately to have the greatest year we've ever had. Let it end incredibly. And we've just started, but this is the time that we've got to, we've got to make the end better. It begins now, right now. If you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, please, whatever you've gone through, would you right now, don't be upset at God. Realize it's what brought you here to find out how you could know. Let's all stand, heads bowed.